lifted all this all over this place. Let's make that our prayer as we move into the word. If you didn't break in and praise and worship yet, well, there's still time. But if you haven't moved in praise and worship yet, you might need to take your pulse. Make sure you're still alive in this place. He's so good. Ooh, he's so good. You're all we want. You're all we desire. You're our focus. You're our center point. And we worship you. And so, Father, as we move from worship into your word, let there be a flow of the spirit that does not break, lift, or change. This is your river, and we've just jumped in. I thank you. You set us up tonight, Lord. I know you set me up. You set us up tonight for something new and fresh you want to release. And we receive it. So, Father, I pray a spirit of freedom would rest in this house. And right now, Lord, as the word goes forth, I ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit to anoint me to deliver this word. Not one word that's not of you. But, Lord, don't let me leave anything out. And, Lord, I just arrest this atmosphere should there be any assignments of distraction or disturbance or hindrance. Not today. Not tonight. I just plead the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that opposition only reveals we're going in the right direction. So tonight, Father, I just declare nothing interferes with your glory and your presence and your agenda tonight. We surrender and we yield to it. And I declare this is a night of freedom. And I speak over this place tonight. Freedom will come swiftly and easily by the blood of Jesus. I declare there is no wrestling between light and darkness tonight, for light has already won. And in this spirit of victory, Father, we receive what you want to do. And we yield to your work tonight. Lord, let the word go deep. Let it bear fruit. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit in your seats, on the floor, wherever you want to sit. I'm going to dive right into the word. Again, I don't want you to go into church mode where you think, oh, now it's time for a sermon and then maybe we'll get to an altar service. The Lord is going to do things as the word goes forth and at the end. And I just simply want to flow with the river, but I do believe there's a word to go forth tonight. And so I'm going to read, I'm going to speak a word tonight, free indeed. Look at your neighbor and say free indeed. I didn't just say free, I said free indeed with an emphasis on the indeed. And uh, this has been what has been resonating in my spirit for the past couple weeks night is just words of freedom. And um, I just want to kind of visit with you for a couple moments and just kind of speak to where we are in the 100 days to glory and where we're going to end in just a very short season up from now. And what I believe tonight kind of unlocks uh, for these last couple days. Number one, we're on day 86. Did you ever think you would make it 86 days? I didn't. <laughs> you maybe had confidence in yourself. Some of you, 86 days with fasting, whatever you fasted. 86 days with, to the best of your ability, staying faithful to prayer and reading the word. And I know I've heard testimonies, especially about Pastor Mariah's prayer journals, that families are going to feel lost when it's done. And that's a good thing because that means you've made a space that will be empty if it's not filled with the same thing beyond the 100 days. 
And all I can say was, you know, we, I, I know Doris Barker has been doing things with the ladies on the, the story of Esther. Esther's story of preparation to become queen is marvelous. It's miraculous how an orphan would end up wearing the crown of queen in such a, an, a dark region is, is miraculous. But, you know, that's just the beginning of the story. If you read the story of Esther and you celebrate her wearing the crown and that's where you stop, you've missed it because that entire preparation was just the beginning of what God actually called her to do. And that's all I can say about this hundred days. If you're counting down to the end and you think it's done, you are so wrong. It is preparation for the beginning of what God's ever going to do. It's, it's just a launching pad. It's just God making room and preparing you so he can position you to do what he's called you to do and he can do in the church what he wants to do. So the this hundred days is kind of like Esther becoming queen and then the rest, the for such a time as this, that's coming. And so I don't want you to just count down the hundred days and then let your guard down. There's going to be such fruit coming out of this time, but we're on day 86. So I want you to pay attention. This is not what I'm prophesying tonight, but it's important. There are 14 days left. Okay, there are 14 days left of the hundred days. 14 is a double of what number? Seven, yes. So my number of people that are crazy like me, this has got to be the most exciting time frame of this hundred days. Because the number seven is the number that God uses to declare the completion of a thing. Seven means complete and done. Not partially, not halfway, but God did not rest until day seven because he was done. And I'm here to tell you in the next two weeks, if you will pay attention in your life personally and in this house corporately, God will finish completely what he assigned in this hundred days. So some of you that have received partial fulfillment or there's some things God said were, was going to happen, you're waiting on some things, these next two weeks should be really exciting for you. It is a double of the number seven. And so I want to talk tonight about one of the things that God is going to complete. Um, and I believe these next 14 days, if you will hear the word of the Lord, are going to be days of free indeed. 14 days of freedom. That's what I'm calling it in Devin Wallace's life. You can call it whatever you want to in yours. But God does not finish with just being free. He finishes with being free indeed. Pastor Devin, what's the difference? Well, if I went to McDonald's tonight and they gave me my Coke free, that is free. But if I got my whole meal free, that's free indeed, right? I didn't just get a discount. I didn't pay anything. And some of you, and especially in the church world, we settle for free, but we don't ever pursue free indeed, right? We get free in an area of our life and we just kind of overlook the bondage in another area of our life. And we shout over one level of freedom, but we don't recognize he's a free indeed God. He's a free completely. And so he's been freeing some of you. He's been doing so many wonderful things in my life. And I might be tempted to praise him for the little things he's done and, and actually stop short of him completing a thing. Right? I might be very glad that he healed me of carpal tunnel syndrome or that he gave us beautiful baby Asher and the, the wonderful things I can't even tell yet, the suddenlies and the surprises that God has done. But this is the thing. It's day 86. 
It's not day 100, and that means he's not finished yet. If he was done with what he is doing in your life and in the life of this house, he would have said 86 days to glory, but the Lord said 100 days to glory. And I promise you, he does not waste his words, and he does not waste a moment. So as good as it's been, hear the word of the Lord. He's not done yet. And the next 14 days are about him completing what he has started. So if you can receive that, say amen. And so all I can say is that prophetic declarations, words from the Lord over our life, they kind of have two phases. Phase one is the word is delivered and it's developed. And that can seem slow. That can seem methodical. Who's ever had a word of the Lord you had to wait on? Right. But when fulfillment starts, it happens rapidly. Okay. When you receive a word from the Lord and we say it like this, it won't, the, the fulfillment won't be, it won't be quick, but it will be sudden. Meaning the development may not be quick, but the fulfillment is sudden. Look at the word of the Lord all throughout scripture. Prophetic words may have a slow development, but when the cycle of fulfillment begins, it is rapid and it is quick. And what I came to prepare some of you for is that you have been waiting in the process of the prophetic word of the Lord. And I came to tell you, you better buckle your seatbelt and take a deep breath because when God starts to fulfill what he said, it will come suddenly and it will come accelerated. And I'm just here to testify there are times you I have prayed for the Lord to fulfill a word and when it started happening I had to say Lord Lord slow down I can't keep up what's happening and I have crossed into this season in my life and I think this is what's about to happen over some of you individually and over this house corporately the fruit of what has been done consistently and methodically and over a long period of time is about to burst forth suddenly Okay, about to burst forth in an accelerated pass, pass, um, an accelerated form. And I'm here to tell you, if, if you don't flow well with acceleration, you might need to pray extra at night over the next 14 days and for whatever the Lord has prepared at the end of the 100 days. Because I feel a surging, I feel a building up of acceleration in the spirit. And I just came to tell you, you may feel like it's slow right now, but when God starts fulfilling what he said, you're not going to be able to keep up in the natural realm or in your flesh with what God is about to release over your life. I am preaching to myself right now, holding on with knuckles white to what God is doing, saying, Father, I can't even keep pace with you right now. I know I prayed this, but I had no idea it would happen like this. And the only thing I know how to do is liken it to, to delivery. Pregnancy is a long, slow process. But when the labor contractions start, what took nine months to develop takes maybe 10, 12 hours to deliver. The, the time frame moves from months to minutes. Development may be in months, but delivery is in minutes. And I'm here to tell you over your life, development may have been in months, but I came to prophesy fulfillment is coming in minutes. It's going to happen at a rapid pace. So if you can receive that, just say yes and amen. And Father, we pray for grace to hold on to what you're about to do. So the word of the Lord I have tonight um, is coming from the great story of the triumphant entry. I'm going to refer to it from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 13. And for sake of time, I'm going to tell the story. You can go there and read all 13 verses in its precision. And that can be part of your Bible reading today. But 
creation from the foundation of the world God said he Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world the first prophetic word given for redemption and the cross and then all throughout the Old Testament hundreds of years the cross the Messiah what he would do to redeem humanity was prophesied poor Isaiah died being considered a false prophet because he prophesied Jesus hundreds of years before he came and I want to tell you Jesus came through the womb of Mary he entered humanity and for like 30 years he was pretty silent he was developing he was growing and for three years what he had developed for in 30 years was fulfilled do you see that development is slow but fulfillment is quick all that Jesus did to turn this world upside down happened in a three-year period three years 30 years of development three years of fulfillment and what he did in those three years fulfilled every prophetic word for hundreds of years about his name so for hundreds of years from the foundation of the world Yahweh was prophesying about Jesus and he completed all of them in three years slow development quick fulfillment I'm gonna go even further do you know the most intense window of prophetic fulfillment is Passover week from Palm Sunday to the resurrection the number of prophecies that was fulfilled hundreds of years old all of creation waiting for their fulfillment in one seven day period more prophetic words were fulfilled than any other time in history slow development quick fulfillment and it just so happens without us planning it our hundred days ends on the triumphant entry of Jesus the beginning of that week of fulfillment do you hear the prophetic alignment we are being set up for and so I want to just parallel some of the things that were fulfilled that week because at the very beginning of the hundred days the Lord took me to this passage when we found out it was ending on Palm Sunday I just began to read and the Lord began to download things I just haven't released until now but number one like Passover week it's going to be an intense season of fulfillment and a couple things happen in this passage and I'm sure you're gonna hear more between now and the ending of the hundred days but a couple things I need to point out as we begin Matthew chapter 21 and we go all the way until Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they're crying Hosanna Hosanna it ends with the it begins with the triumphant entry it ends with a wreck in the temple but the first thing Jesus does is he sends his disciples to go find a donkey and a colt and this is a great Mother's Day message but it's actually a mama donkey and it's her baby and they're tied the mama donkey is tied to a post and if you study this historically and you study this in commentaries it's very interesting to note that when a colt was born into captivity it did not need a rope in other words when the disciples went, went to find the donkey and the colt it was the mother donkey who was tied to the post it was the baby donkey who knew nothing but bondage and did not need a rope to keep it there 
We call it learned bondage. In other words, that baby colt was born to a mother who always walked the same peripheral around a post and had put a big line in the ground from her path and that colt would feed on her and follow her and it was she was his safety so that in his life he never wanted to leave the circle of bondage he had been raised in. He did not know that there was life outside of it and he certainly did not know he had the freedom to go where his mother could not. And it's such a lesson for leadership and a lesson for parenting to recognize that the bondage we walk in and we refuse to deal with will become our children's baggage. And if we don't model life outside of the rope, then they will become comfortable in the bondage of the rope. And they won't even know that there's life and there's freedom. And so I'm here to tell you the first thing Jesus does is he goes and he looses a family. He says, you loose the mom, you loose the cold, you bring them to me. The ones that were in bondage are the very ones I have need of. And not only is the cult and the, 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 the mother released, but they are led to a place of purpose and destiny. And I don't have time to preach this tonight, but a lot of times in the Pentecostal world, we shout and pray for deliverance, but we don't want to be led anywhere. We want to be free from something, but we don't want to be led to something. We want to come out of something, but we don't want to enter into anything. And if you're going to maintain your freedom, you can't just be a cult that's loose from the post. You've got to learn to follow the voice of Yahweh into a place of destiny he will never set you free if he doesn't have somewhere to set your feet in purpose so if we just pray for deliverance but we don't yield to the leading of the Lord we will find ourselves right back at that post because had that mother and baby not followed themselves to Jesus the owner would have hunted them down and tied them right back up and I'm here to tell you if you don't learn to submit yourself to the leading of the Lord you may experience deliverance and the altar but your slave the devil will hunt you down and tie you right back up to the same issue you were set free from it's not enough just to be set free We've got to be yielded to the Lord and set in the place of destiny. And this mom and this baby, they were set free and they were set into a place of destiny. So look at your neighbor and say, he's going to lose some donkeys. Oh, you didn't say that like you meant it. Say it loudly. He's going to lose some donkeys. Now look at that neighbor and say, hee-haw. We're the donkeys. In this story, there was a cycle of loosing that was necessary in the story of the triumphant entry. Before Jesus could take seven days to complete his assignment, he stopped to loose the sons and daughters of God. And I came to tell you, in the next two weeks, I declare it is 14 days of freedom over your house, over your children, and over your life. Because what Jesus wants to complete by Palm Sunday, he will not do while you are still tied to a post, going to a circle, not aligned with your destiny. I came to tell you, over the next 14 days, he's about to confront misalignment in your life. He doesn't want to leave you in the wrong place, wasting a bunch of energy and not producing anything for the kingdom. 
He doesn't want to watch families walking in bondage. And, and I know we're praying for our sons and daughters. This is a house of sons and daughters. I love to lay hands on our sons and daughters and wa watch them walk in freedom. But I came to tell you, he's coming after the whole house. And it's not just enough for Firebrand to be free. It's not just enough for Forge to be free. He's coming after mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, and uncle. He wants to untie us from a generational post of religious bondage and lead us into a place of glory in his presence. Shout 14 days to freedom. He's going to loose some donkeys. And then I came to tell you a little later in this story, Jesus begins to not only confront the bondage of those he has called to purpose. The word he said to his disciples was, go get that donkey and that colt because I have need of them. He's going to loose those who are assigned in his kingdom that he has need of. But now he's going to go address the house of God. Not only is he addressing the sons and daughters of God, but he goes into the temple. And if you read the accounts of it, it is righteous indignation that has consumed Jesus. The lamb of God converts into a lion. He goes into the temple and he wrecks it. He begins to turn things upside down. And you all know this story. But what I want to highlight tonight is he loosed the dove in the temple. And you've heard Pastor Kevin preach this. There was a lot happening in the temple that did not please the Lord. It was supposed to be a house of prayer and it was a den of thieves. But the biggest thing is, is the doves that were used for sacrifice were being caged and sold to make money. In other words, the doves were present, but they were restrained. The dove was present in the temple. The dove was visible in the temple. But the dove was restrained by the hands of a man. A spirit of control had entered the church house. And I'm here to tell you, so it is. Many times in the church in America, we will see the presence of the dove. We've learned how to flash things that will make people think the dove is alive and well. But what we do not see is the invisible cage that's around the dove called control, called restraint, where we have decided that the glory of God is about our own glory. It's about our own monetary gain. And we've tried to harness something that was never meant to be caged. And Jesus could not complete his assignment until the Holy Ghost was loosed in the house of God. And I came to prophesy, not only is he about to loose some donkeys, but he's about to loose some doves. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, he's about to loose the dove in you. Now, this is what I want to prophesy in this house. I declare there will be a loosing of any restraints, inhibitions, religious restrictions, expectations of people. I declare it corporately over this house. Any invisible bars or cages that the enemy has tried to put on the Holy Ghost. I just declare there's a level of freedom we have yet to experience and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And the dove is being loosed. But I'm coming further. The dove in you is about to be loosed. Some of you can shout when I talk about the Holy Ghost being free in this house. But I want to talk about the cage in your heart that looses him when it's convenient and cages him up when it's not. I want to talk about the bars of fear and the bars of intimidation that hinder you from being a temple of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk about the cage you put him in when you go to school and the cage you let him out of when you come in this sanctuary. He wants to be free in you. He wants to loose the dove in you. And some of us really don't know if we're ready for a life that we are truly led by the Holy Ghost.
He is not a puppy on a leash that can lead us to an extent, but we jerk him back when it begins to challenge what we think or believe. He is a dove who so gently rests upon us, and if we don't handle him with honor and care, he will surely lift off of our shoulder. And not only does the Holy Ghost want to be in free in this house, but I'm here to tell you he wants to be free in you. Spirit-led living. Not just meaning, oh yes, I pray 15 minutes every day, but learning to wake up and say, I am not in control of my life today. I yield to the leading of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit. I yield to his unctions. I yield to his guidance. I yield to his truth. Holy Spirit, however you want to shine through me today, I willfully open the cage I do not constrict or restrain you in my life so I just want you to place your head on your own chest or head right now and say loose the dove in me so he's loosing donkeys and he's loosing doves and I believe that we are in a place of 14 days of freedom and so I'm going to say this, and we're going to move to the altar. Are y'all live out there tonight? Because I feel this in my belly. Free indeed. It's not fictional freedom, but it's real freedom. And if you can throw that up on the screen, John 8, chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. So what do you mean we will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free, or you are free indeed. Shout free indeed. I want to talk about what these words mean, what Jesus is saying, and what I believe he wants to do in this house before we leave tonight. He wants the body of Christ to not just be free but be free indeed. Not partial freedom, but complete freedom. And what this word indeed actually means in scripture is not just fullness, not just complete. Are you ready? It means in reality. Shout in reality. It's the opposite of fiction. In other words, he was saying to those who were listening... If you are my child, you walk in my word, you walk in truth. If the son sets you free, you're going to be free in reality, not free in fiction. Jesus was confronting what I want to call fictional freedom in the church in his hour. And I'm here to tell you today, we are still confronting fictional freedom in the church. What is fictional freedom? It's freedom that is perceived and declared, freedom that is desired, free that is freedom that is spoken, but freedom that is never manifested in reality. We can talk about freedom. We can quote scriptures on freedom. We can even try to put on a facade that we walk in freedom. But you know whether you are walking in freedom in reality or if the declaration of freedom on your life is merely fictional. Why did he say this? Because when he talked about knowing the truth and walking in freedom, the Pharisees said to him, we are children of Abraham. 
We have been slaves to no one. And what they were doing was agreeing with fictional freedom. How do you know that, Pastor Devin? Because in that day and age, the Pharisees thought they were politically free. But in all reality, they were slaves to the political system of Rome. They were walking in what they perceived to be political freedom. But as history bears out, and we can now go back and see, they were slaves to another government called Rome. They thought they were free, but it was fictional. They were not really walking in freedom. The Pharisees also claimed spiritual freedom, but Jesus let them know they were slaves to the law. They never were free spiritually. They were whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. They operated in a form of godliness, and they had no power inside. They claimed a freedom that was fictional, but they were really slaves to the law. And Jesus was saying to them, your freedom isn't even real, but who the sun sets free, that freedom will become a part of their reality, and they will not live it in fiction but they will live it in truth and tonight I don't care what resistance I may feel in my spirit tonight I came to confront the fictional freedom in your life I am tired of sons and daughters of God walking around in a a lesser form of the freedom that the cross provides to you if the son has set you free you are not just going to celebrate partial freedom he has come to set you free completely so that what we preaching isn't just a fictional story we believe but it's a reality we live every day of our life some of you have faithfully praised the Lord for a fictional freedom you have never tasted but I prophesy in the next 14 days you're about to pull into your reality something you could only dream about tell your neighbor we're done with fictional freedom And sometimes accepting the truth of your own bondage is the first step to your freedom. Had they just recognized that the freedom they desired wasn't their reality, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What kept the Pharisees bound in a lie? It's because they refused to acknowledge the truth. And tonight I'm here to tell you the more you cover it, the more you deny it, the more you dress it up, the more you put a bow on it, the more you will walk in your bondage. But when you can finally come before the cross and accept the truth that you need a Savior who can deliver you, that there are areas of your life you need the cross of Jesus to bring freedom, that is the truth, son and daughter, that will make you free. The truth is you need the truth, and He is the truth. It's not just a concept, it's a person. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word know there is actually the Hebrew idiom for intimacy. And in the church, we are comfortable with dating truth. When a sermon goes forth, we love to hear it. But Monday comes, and we sure don't live it. We date it, we visit it, but we don't become one with it. And if you look at covenant marriage, it's about two becoming one. He said, you shall become one with the truth, and that truth will make you free. And I believe the Lord is confronting fictional freedom. Why else did he say this? Not only was he confronting the lie of the Pharisees, but he was also addressing a Roman cultural reference. Can you handle some deep things tonight? Are you all too tired? Good, I'm going to keep going. There was a Roman culture 
cultural reference that he was addressing in the spirit of adoption. And it was called the adoption of brethren. So this has nothing to do with the Jewish people. This is what was happening in, in the political system that was controlling them. They were a part of Rome. They were very familiar with Roman customs, practiced many of them. Just like Paul, when he called himself an apostle, it was actually a Roman term for how they would go in and conquer a land. And what Jesus was addressing when he said, if the son makes you free... You shall be free indeed. He was addressing a Roman cultural practice called adoption of brethren. And this adoption of brethren concept that was practiced by the Romans meant this. That the son in any house, when he reached maturity and the father either died or passed the estate to him, he had the authority to take any slave within the house and set them free. And not only set them free, but adopt them in as blood kin. In other words, he can say, this slave has been with me my whole life. And now I have the authority to say, listen, you are not a slave. You are my brother. You are not a slave. You are my sister. My father may have made you a slave, but now I have the authority to make you an inheritor of this beautiful place you have served your whole life your identity is now about to change and no longer will you be slave you will be brother now a lot of other scriptures make sense to you don't they why Jesus said that spirit of adoption is about the ability Jesus came in and he elevated you from a slave to a co-inheritor to a brother and he was saying if the son makes you free nobody can change it nobody can reverse it and it doesn't matter how many years you were a slave to sin when the son says you are free you are free indeed and that title of slavery doesn't hold you anymore why are you stomping and getting excited, Devin? Because the truth is bubbling in my spirit and I hope it gets in yours. Listen to this. The fact that the enemy is telling you you are still in bondage is a lie. What, Pastor Devin? I am addicted. No, you're not. I am a crack addict. No, you're not. I am an adulterer. No, you're not. I am a homosexual. No, you're not. How do you know? That's a fact. But this Bible says if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. The devil is lying to you. He's telling you you're still a slave to adultery. And I came to tell you the sun has already set you free. You're not a slave anymore. This, the, the Bible is telling you that you may think you're a slave to crack cocaine. But the day you gave your heart to Jesus, the sun made you free. And it's a lie. And if you will know the truth, the truth will make you free. My God, my voice can't even deliver the, the, the anointing I feel rising up in my spirit for someone to get set free tonight. Some of you are in bondage in your mind, but you're free in your spirit. You just don't know it. You are sitting in a prison and the door is wide open. You are sitting in a dark prison, but Jesus already opened the door. And the devil has lied to you. And he has misidentified you. But I came to tell you, if the son changed your title, your title is changed once and for all. You are not a slave to sin. So why do I keep sinning, Pastor Devin? Because you're believing a lie. 
Why do I keep saying, Pastor Devin? Because you are misidentifying yourself. The enemy has marred your identity and you find it easier to agree with your past and you don't know how to wrap your brain around who he has made you to be. And that's why you got to be saved by faith. That's why you got to be saved by grace because your flesh will always turn you back to who you were. But I came to tell you the cross of Jesus allows you to break free from anything you ever were. And the Bible says, behold, you are a new creation. A new creation can't look like what it used to. A new creation can't act like what it used to. Because the Bible says, old things have, and all things, what are you saying, Pastor Devin? That's truth. See, we take facts that the enemy feeds us and we begin to meditate on them we begin to think them about ourselves and we exalt them against the truth of what God says but 2nd Corinthians tells me this any thought that acknowledges itself above the knowledge of God what are we supposed to do church we're supposed to take it captive in other words the thoughts that are trying to put you in prison you are supposed to turn around and put in prison by the truth of God's word Pastor Devin, that's not how I feel. I didn't ask you how you felt because your feelings don't dictate this truth. Pastor Devin, I had a bad day. I'm sorry you had a bad day, but your bad day doesn't disqualify the cross or the blood of Jesus Christ. Truth will not change. Heaven and earth can pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Every day you struggle, I came to tell you it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. I came to free you by the truth who the Son sets free. It's free indeed. Jesus, help me. I'll get myself free tonight. I'm tired of watching the bride of Christ believe a lie. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Not your actions. Not your list of scriptures you memorize. Not your counseling. I love all of that. But I'm here to tell you, if you will get a revelation of truth and you will accept your new identity, the Holy Spirit will empower you to overcome what you can't do on your own. See, because you're walking in an inferior identity, you're trying to manage something in the flesh you can't do without the Holy Ghost. But guess what? The Holy Ghost is for sons and not slaves. The Holy Ghost is for sons and daughters and not slaves and when you can't walk in your identity you put handcuffs on the dove to help you overcome and then you find yourself in a cycle of struggle because you think you're your savior you think you can overcome and I came to tell you Samson could the strongest man in history could not overcome sin when it came knocking at his door and I have good news for you I don't care how dark your slavery was the Holy Ghost can empower you to overcome the Holy Ghost can empower you to break free but you first got to know the truth of your identity and you are a son not a slave are you hearing this tonight the last thing, and I'm done. He was also addressing a Jewish custom. Don't you love Jesus? He says one sentence, and he is drilling three different cultural references in one sentence. He was addressing anybody in Roman culture, any Roman watching. He was addressing the Pharisees and their teaching. And now he's going to hit a Jewish custom. There was a Jewish custom. I can't even say it. It makes me mad called partial slavery it's legit partial slavery and this is what happened when a servant either 
tied themselves up with serving two masters, kind of like working a double job. Or they could only work enough to pay half of the debt they owed that put them in slavery. And so it was called partial slavery. So I could be a full slave or I could be a partial slave. Isn't this such a joke? And a partial slave was a slave 50% of the time and was free 50% of the time. Oh, you know where I'm going. Out of their seven-day week, one day they had to serve their master and then the next day they could do whatever they wanted to do serve themselves then the next day they had to go back and serve their master and then the next day they were free to do whatever they wanted to do right partial slavery half the time I'm free half the time I'm not because I can't afford to pay my debt off and so many of you in the church have discounted the blood of Jesus Christ because you think it wasn't enough to pay your debt. And, and you wake up on your good days and you say, I am free indeed. And then you wake up on a bad day and you put the chains back on. And you serve the enemy and you become a slave to sin. You come on Sunday and you shout and you say, I am free. And by Friday night, you're back in the crack house serving the enemy. It's called partial slavery. It means I'm free for part of my life. But there are areas of my life I just don't know how to get free in. Oh, I finally got that addiction broken, but I can't get out of this bad relationship. Oh, I finally learned to love my spouse, but I can't forgive my mother. I finally learned how to submit to authority, but I'm still cheating on my taxes. My God, where is this coming from? We are partially free. We compartmentalize our freedom. We praise him that we're free in this area, but we are still slaves in this area. Partial freedom. And it depends how we're feeling. And it depends, it depends what, what cards life is dealing us that helps us determine if we're free today or if we're a slave today. And Jesus was addressing partial freedom. He was trying to say, if I am the one who set you free, I pay all of your debts. And you will never, ever walk back into slavery again. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I hope you're hearing this. There was a law in the book of Exodus, and it was this, that partial slaves could not eat the Passover meal with their master. If I was a partial slave, I was disqualified from the table because the Passover is where a line is drawn. Mm, Jesus, help me preach this. The body and the blood is where a line is drawn. Because a partial slave could operate in the house however they wanted until it was Passover time. And then all the partial slaves had to reveal themselves. Because in Exodus chapter 12, we're told when you sat at the Passover meal, you had to eat all of the lamb. And I'm here to tell you, you can't consume all of the lamb and him not have all of you. And it was forbidden for anybody who was partially anything to sit at a table that required everything. And I came to tell you the body and the blood will reveal slavery in your life. Oh, you don't believe me? Go look at the Last Supper. A couple manifestations happened right at the table. Peter manifests, right? Jesus, I will die for you. I will give my life for you. Great intentions. But it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Before the morning ever comes. 
When was that revealed? After Passover. More importantly, Judas, who had walked with the disciples the entire ministry of Jesus. You read your word. He could go so far, but the body and the blood was where it stopped. Read your Bible. Judas never partook of the Passover meal. Oh, Pastor Devin, didn't Jesus feed him bread? Go read your word. They were eating before Jesus instituted the Passover and the devil showed up before the body and the blood could even be distributed. Jesus said, whoever dips, eats the bread I dip, he's the one who betray me. And when Jesus gave Judas the bread, it said Satan entered him and he left. And when Judas left, then Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Why did Judas have to leave? Because Jesus, Jesus didn't come to defy the law. He came to fulfill it. And what he was saying to his disciples is one of you is a partial slave. One of you looks like they're free, but they're not. And on this very night, they will betray me. And one of you that has been allowed to endure this entire time, tonight they will not eat this Passover meal because you can't eat all of me and me not have all of you. And Judas never ate Passover. I'm here to tell you I'm going to offer a challenge I don't want to put religious restriction, time constraint on anybody. I say this in the holiness and the fear of the Lord. For the next 14 days, if you can make time, I want you to take the body and the blood every day. I want you to sit down. Pastor Devin, you just said we couldn't if we were partial slaves. I'm here to tell you, you're going to take it by faith, allowing the body and the blood to confront anything in you that's not free. I want to just add to our time every day. Maybe it can take your 15 minutes of prayer. I want you and your household, if you can, any of those days, to serve the body and the blood. The Lord challenged me to do that for healing, and I'm here to tell you it drove carpal tunnel syndrome right out of my body. And the friend that I was praying for got a good report. I just want you to know, clean bill of health. God not only did it for me, he did it for my friend. And I'm here to tell you it's 14 days to freedom. And your freedom is in the cross. Your freedom is in the body and the blood. So what's going to happen, Pastor Devin, over the next 14 days, if you're willing, we're going to ask the Lord to confront the partial slavery in us. We're going to ask the Lord to confront the fictional freedom in our life. We're going to ask the Lord to confront in us where we have not allowed the son to re-identify us and we are still a slave to our old life, our old tendencies, or our old identity. And I believe as we take communion by faith, it is going to, as we take all of the lamb, it's going to allow him to consume all of us. And what has been allowed to lie to you, deceive you, take up residence in your freedom, the body and the blood is going to reveal and confront it. There's a revealing going on in hearts. And that's not something to be feared. That's something to be desired. Let me just say this. Can I just teach a word of warning as a mother in this house? The Lord loves you. He's jealous for you. And he did not leave his place in heaven and come to earth to suffer like no man ever had. So that you could live in partial freedom. It is an indictment on his cross. He came to set you free. 
indeed. And I say this as I feel the holiness of the Lord in this place. For the next 14 days, he's coming for all of you. Not all of you, all of you. He's coming to get me, Pastor Devin? No. He's coming as a jealous lover to set all of you free. All of you. The Lord is not, does not find pleasure in exposure. You'll not find that pattern anywhere in the life of Jesus. For those of you who didn't go to theology school, Jesus is the perfect theology of God. If you want to know about theology of God, just look at Jesus. Everything Jesus said, did, and lived is the perfect theology of God. Whatever Jesus loved, God loved. Whatever Jesus hated, God hates. Whatever Jesus did is what God wants to do in your life. And Jesus covered. Jesus forgave. Jesus loved. And I don't know why I feel prompted to say this to someone. But these next 14 days, the Lord is intervening to rescue your heart and soul from a snare of the enemy. And this is how it works. This is how the Holy Spirit works. This is just good mentorship from a life of watching the Holy Spirit work and holistic study of this word. The Lord will always start with personal conviction. God's preferred method of dealing with you, your bondage, your compromise, your sin, he desires personal conviction. He does not want you to have to go to a Catholic booth and confess to a priest. He doesn't want to parade you in front of this, at the congregation on this stage. In fact, he doesn't even really care if your sin is anybody else's business. The Holy Spirit will always start with personal conviction. But he loves you, and he's a good parent. And I'll always start with a gentle word of warning. But if my kids don't listen, firm Devin comes out. And when we ignore personal conviction, we leave the Lord no other option than to move to phase two. What is phase two? The category is called voice of the prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophet would confront King David or confront the children of Israel. But that can interpret to many things on your personal life. It might be a prophet. It might be a mom or a dad, a mentor or a friend. This is when the Holy Spirit will willfully bring somebody else into your situation to confront you in love. Have you ever had that mom that just knew where you were the night before? She just knew. Holy Ghost just told on her. Whoever had that happen, raise your hand. Mama just knew, right? That's called the voice of a prophet. You ignored the Holy Ghost, so God brought your mama in. Have you ever had that youth pastor that called and said, I'm worried about you. God gave me a dream about you. Are you okay? Anybody ever had that happen, pastor, youth pastor? So listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to expose you to everybody. He'll just go to one or two people that you trust and you love. And let me help you out. If they're not in relationship with you, it's probably not the Holy Ghost because he's not going to go tell your enemy your business. He don't work that way. So if you don't like me, he ain't probably going to speak to you about my life. He'll always go to somebody that you'll listen to. And he'll gently nudge and give you an opportunity to repent. And there have been times in my life I listened to personal conviction. And as much as I regret to say it in my journey with the Lord, there's been times he's had to send somebody and it convicted me. It shook me. Like when Nathan went to King David and said, you, you are the man. And David repented. But I'm going to tell you there's a third level of the jealousy and the love of God. If you don't listen to personal conviction, 
and you don't listen to the voice of the prophet, then public exposure happens. He will pull the covers off that the destruction of your flesh may lead to the saving of your soul. I believe he weeps over it. It was not his desire. But when you harden your heart, he will not let you walk off a cliff of eternity. And so rest assured, when you turn on the news and you see public exposure, that's not where God started. He's not that kind of God. That was a last resort. And I came to just mama warn some people in this room. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Just listen to him. He is gentle and he will convict and he will make it right. And if you pass that point and God has sent someone into your life to say, hey, that relationship is not good for you. That path is not good for you. This fear you're walking in, it's going to hinder your future. Listen. And just maybe over the next 14 days, God is set. He is removing a trap the enemy has set for someone. And he wants to set you free before your bondage ever becomes anybody else's business. Don't that want to make you run to God instead of away from him? Stand in this place. With every hand lifted, Father, let your word sink deep right now. Father, I declare tonight... I feel a mantle and an anointing to break yokes in this house. You don't want anybody in this place to live a life of partial freedom, to live a life of fictional freedom. But tonight, you have come to set them free indeed. And for all of those who desire to be free indeed with your hands lifted, we've got something we're going to do in just a moment, but... Would you just talk to the Lord for just a moment and ask him to make you free indeed? Would you just talk to the Lord for a moment and ask him to search you and know you and see every bondage starts with a lie. It doesn't start with a sin. That's an action as the result of a lie. It starts with a lie. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's any place in you, any thought, anything the enemy has planted that acknowledges itself above what his word says that you break agreement with it you don't want that attached to you anymore you don't want a mentality of slavery you want a mentality of freedom so before we move into what i want to do for altar i'll just want to leave 30 60 seconds for you to ask the lord for your own freedom Search us and know us, Holy Spirit. And I declare this will be a house of freedom. I declare, Father, we are not slaves anymore, but we have been made sons and daughters. And where the enemy has planted deception and false identity and misconceptions of how you are, 
I declare lies are being exposed in this moment in the name of Jesus. And I declare we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. Lord, I just release a delivering anointing over this house tonight and over each life. And Father, I just declare for the next 14 days, it is 14 days of freedom. I declare, God, a move of deliverance and yoke-breaking anointing is being released over any life that would attach to it. Father, you are coming to break us out of a cycle of partial freedom and break us into a freedom some of us have never tasted before. Lord, even in my own life, I want to be free indeed. And if there's any place in me, Lord, that has not yielded to you or is not walking in that freedom, I invite you into this journey to search me, free me, expose the lies of the enemy in me, and make me free indeed. With every hand lifted, he's going to break yokes of fear, things that have stifled faith. See, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You've walked in limited fulfillment because you've walked in limited faith. And he is jealously coming after everything that has made you fear and doubt the Lord. He's coming after a stronghold of doubt in some of your lives. Fear. Jesus. I say this. But he's coming after a lie of sickness and disease in some of your lives. By his stripes, you are healed. That's what the word says. And some of us have settled for cycles of infirmity and sickness and patterns and thought processes of sickness and death. And he's coming for freedom in your health. <laughs> By his stripes... You are healed. You are healed. By his blood, you are healed. He's confronting lies. He's confronting patterns and cycles of sin. He's confronting strongholds in our mind, religious thought processes that have limited his ability to work in our life. He wants us free indeed. Some of us are going to get set free financially. <laughs> we don't trust him with our finances. We're afraid if we give, we lose. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. And when you sow, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. <laughs> He's about to set you free from a, a lie of poverty. You are not bound by poverty. I don't care what your bank account says. You are not a slave to poverty. You are a son and an inheritor. And your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And lack is not your problem. That's the truth. He's going to set you free. He's going to set households free. And so what I would like to do tonight... Almost 8 o'clock, so if you've got to go, go. I know I preached long, but I asked Rick Smith to prepare communion because I asked you to take it the next 14 days, so I'm providing the first day to you. And I want the worship team to come and prepare.
I believe tonight can actually be the night of freedom. You don't have to wait 14 days for that to start. Now, I just want to warn you, sometimes freedom comes in layers, layer after layer. Who's ever experienced a layered freedom? So it might, it might come in layers, but tonight there is an anointing to break yokes in this place. So if, if you don't stand in need of freedom tonight, you, you feel like you are free indeed, then you're going to help me pray for some others who say, you know what, Pastor Devin, I think I have settled for partial freedom. I think I've settled for fictional freedom. And tonight I'm coming to the table of the Lord because I want the body and the blood to confront the partial slave in me. And I want to walk in freedom. And I just want you to be able in just a moment to come to the altar and take communion. And then I'm going to ask for my staff pastors and leaders. Unless Now you may be coming for prayer and you come on. But students, those who are not, I just want you to be prepared to help me pray for deliverance in this house for freedom some of you are coming out of the prison tonight some of you came in partially bound and you're leaving fully free and if this is not you this is your formal dismissal you can go at any time if you're going to stay I just want you to worship I want you to pray for those who come and even if you don't feel like you need freedom tonight you can still take communion as your first night because God's gonna do a work and so I'm just gonna ask those that want to participate there are two baskets of communion up here while the worship team prepares to sing I just want you to come get communion and if if you don't want prayer you can take communion back to your seat if you're up here and you want prayer after we take communion I want you to take it in the altar I hope that's not too confusing if you want prayer tonight you need some level of freedom or deliverance in your life get this communion element and come stand in the altar don't take it yet if you want to just participate in communion but you don't need prayer tonight at this point you can take it back to your seat and we're going to take it together i'm only doing that so i can identify who needs prayer if you stay up here just try to line up and make room where we can get to you and while you take that communion pastors tobin and jojo just sing something let us worship let us cultivate this atmosphere with worship as we prepare for his body. Won't you come, Lord? Jesus, won't you come, Lord? Jesus, won't you come?
just make this your prayer with Jojo right now. Just make this your prayer. Lift your hands and just say it to him. Come, Lord Jesus, won't you come, Lord Jesus, won't you come, Lord Jesus, won't you come? Jojo's going to sing that a little more in just a moment. We're going to serve communion. Let me just say what I feel like is going to happen in the atmosphere of this house. I feel the Holy Spirit like a bulldog in my spirit right now. Bondages are going to break in the name of Jesus. The anointing that breaks yokes is present. And so I'm going to lead us in communion. We're going to take the body and the blood. And I know it's just a wafer and it's just some juice. But it's so much more in the spirit. And I just want to declare that the cross of Jesus Christ is your freedom. The cross of Jesus Christ is your victory. The cross of Jesus Christ is the enemy's defeat. The cross of Jesus Christ is the enemy's shame. The cross of Jesus Christ is your legal grounds for freedom. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the legal verdict that tells the enemy he has no right to your life. The cross of Jesus Christ is your key to healing. And the cross of Jesus Christ evicts sickness and disease. This is your authority. It is the blood of Jesus that makes you a son and a daughter and an inheritor of every promise of this word. It is the blood of Jesus that transforms your identity from a slave to a son or a daughter. And so by the authority of the body and the blood, I declare in this altar, you are free. I declare by the body and the blood, every demonic stronghold is disarmed and displaced by the blood of Jesus and must bow to the precious name of Yahweh. I declare by the body and the blood, every generational curse is broken. And you have been grafted into a new family. And disease and sickness is no longer legally attached to your DNA. But his blood runs through your veins. And fibromyalgia must loose your body right now in the name of Jesus. And you can fill it in, but I just heard that for somebody. I declare... By the body and the blood, your mind is renewed. And any spirit of torment, fear, anxiety, worry, or depression, right now the body and the blood of Jesus confronts you. You are illegal. And I declare they have been given the mind of Christ. And you must loose your hold on their mind in Jesus' name. Woo! Mesoka. Under the authority of the body and the blood, 
I came to tell every demonic stronghold you have already been defeated and tonight the body and the blood exposes you you are confronted you are no longer brought in by agreement we break ties of agreement with you we choose to stand on the truth and I declare who the Son sets free tonight is free indeed and I release over you son and daughter free indeed I break the mentality of a partial slave I break the mentality of fictional freedom I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to finish the Holy Ghost is so strong in this place somebody's getting set free you are no longer a slave but I declare you are a son and a daughter and I declare the kingdom of darkness has no place in you and the light of God's truth shines upon you child of God and you are free now take that wafer and hold it up this little Unleavened wafer represents the body of the Lamb of God. The one who was pierced, the one who was beaten, the one who was spit upon, the one who received a crown of thorns and 39 stripes on his back so that tonight when I take his body, my body can be made whole. This wafer represents the Lamb of God who took my sin upon the cross. Therefore, tonight, I am not a slave to sin. For the Lord Jesus took my sin and he took my shame. This wafer represents the Lamb of God who was slain for me. And tonight, I do not take him partially. But as I take this wafer, I take him completely and I surrender all of myself to him. Any area of my heart, life, or mind that I have held back today, Lord Jesus, as I take your body, I give you all of me. Now I want you to take that bread and eat it. Take that bread and eat it. We take the whole lamb and right now, we give him all of us and we receive his life in our body we receive his healing and his wholeness in our body now take that cup and hold it up wow this cup represents the blood of a new covenant this cup frees me from the law this cup frees me from religion. This cup frees me from death. This cup frees me from the sin of Adam and Eve that caused us all to be born into iniquity. And this cup purchases my salvation. This cup purchases my covenant and my marriage to the Lamb of God. This cup represents the blood that has adopted me and brought me into a new family. And it is this precious blood that redeems me. And it is this precious blood that has put the enemy under my feet. 
It is this precious blood that breaks the cycle of sin in my life. It is this precious blood that breaks the mentality of slavery off of my life. It is this blood that redeems me and makes me a new creature in Christ. And so as we take this blood, we receive son and daughtership. And we receive freedom from the yoke of sin in our life. Take the blood and drink. Now lift your hands. That was a great act of faith. And now it's about to line up. It's about to line up. So with hands lifted. My God, I don't know what altar workers I have here. But I anoint every Holy Ghost spirit filled Christian who's free as an altar worker right now. I need some help up here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just declare every measure of bondage is going to be loosed in this altar. I don't care if you are just absolutely possessed by the devil. Today, your temple is being cleansed. To just attachment and oppression or if the enemy's harassing you, I came to tell you, tonight is your night of freedom. And this altar is a place of freedom. So if you're helping me as an altar worker, I just want you to go and agree with the freedom they have already declared over their life. I just want you to begin to agree with them and declare over them who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I don't care if somebody gets to you to pray for you or not. You can reach up to Jesus and receive your freedom right now. But I declare your identity is being transformed. And what the enemy thought he had you in bondage to, you're about to put it in bondage by the blood of Jesus. What has harassed you, you're about to put it in prison by the blood of Jesus. And I declare who the Son sets free is free indeed. So if you remain here tonight, I want you to worship and help me cultivate this atmosphere. I want you to stretch your hands toward this altar and pray. And if you feel like you can help me pray, come on up. Come on up. Freedom. Freedom. Be free. In Jesus' name.